This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. There's a lot of meat on the Steven Seagal bone here. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. 92 89, Timberwolves with the lead, and now this crowd is starting to believe that they'll win. Now, the Bulls don't want any fouls here. They just like to play some real good defense. Marbury drives baseline, bounces it to Hammonds, to Uh-oh. Kevin Garnett on top from 20, Garnett. Yes sir, beautifully done, Garnett with a 15-footer, that's all you Kevin want. Garnett punches his big ticket to the Hall of Fame, straight out of high school to NBA stardom, one of three players with 25,000 points, 10,000 rebounds, and 5,000 assists. NBA Championship Olympic gold. Welcome to the show. Mackie and Joe with Rami here on Score North and the Score North app, which is a great place because it's free. Totally and it's free. mobile to listen to us on a daily basis. Yeah, there's no live sports. What are you guys talking about with when no you're out live there, sports? When you're, when you're out there cluttering up the walking trail, have that Score North app open. Boy, it's been like four hours and you're still bitter about that. Dude, huh? I'm fired up. Well, we'll get. We'll, we'll probably get to some of that in quarantine discoveries at five o'clock today. Let's do that. Rami's angst on the bike paths and walking paths. Jim Peterson with Kevin Garnett stories at four thirty today. New NBA or Pro Basketball Hall of Famer Kevin Garnett. But gentlemen, I believe it was last week at some point we kind of stumbled into what we decided was going to be a new segment, a new regular segment here on Mackie and Jeb with Rami. We're calling it. Alternate reality. And I figure, I mean, what the hell? There's no live sports. So we can just we can just debut new segments literally every five minutes if we want to, right, right. now. Reckless as can be. It is. It's a combination Throw darts of, at the dartboard. Let's see what works. It's a close cousin of reckless speculation. Oh, yeah. Reckless yeah. speculation. It's retro speculation. I like is it. what it is. Yep. You can work on that intro for uh next week, Jonathan. <laughs> retro speculation. <laughs> We got <laughs> Call Manny. All right, so here's what I want to throw out at you guys for today's alternate reality. A world in which the Minnesota Timberwolves in 1996, instead of drafting and keeping, or instead of drafting and trading, I should say, Ray Allen and having Stefan Marbury as the guard of the future. What if in that 1996 draft, the Timberwolves would have drafted Ray Allen and stuck with him and paired Ray Allen, one of the great shooters in the history of the NBA and was one of the best scorers of that era? What if they had paired Ray Allen with Kevin Garnett? Just a little bit of background here. So the Wolves had something brewing here in 
the years, the two years leading up to that draft, they had Kevin Garnett as yes, an emergent kids, rookie. Right? The Wolves once had something brewing. They did. It's crazy. Tom Gugliotta was a big time power forward. Googs. Googly oogly oogly baby. That was a great trade. Daniel Marshall Harlan. was washing out. And the Timberwolves had the fifth overall pick in what turned out to actually be one of the most loaded drafts in NBA history. They, that draft included Allen Iverson, Kobe Bryant, Steve Nash, Peja Stojakovic, Jermaine O'Neal, who was for like five years was a, a rising star power forward, Antoine Walker, Marcus Camby, Sharif Abdurrahim, and then both Ray Allen and Stephon Marbury in the top five. So the Bucks take Marbury fourth. The Wolves take Ray Allen fifth, and they swapped picks, and the rest is basically history, and that Stefan Marbury demanded a trade like two years later as the nucleus was still incubating, and he winds up on losing teams for the rest of his career, and the Timberwolves wind up, it took him like seven more years to find a viable sidekick for Kevin Garnett, and it was basically the Spree-Cassell combination for one year. They were both on the back end of their prime. Ray Allen goes on to be one of the great shooters and scorers in NBA history over that period, eventually winning titles in both Boston and Miami. How much more would the Wolves have accomplished (laughs) if Ray Allen had, let's say they draft Ray Allen and he sticks for 10 years. So it's 10 years of Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett. Let's go down that alternate reality path. You want me to go first? I'll be happy to. Championships. Can I be honest with you guys before we even get into this? Sure. I did not know Ray Allen was drafted and traded by the Timberwolves until I saw this question pop up on the Score North Twitter account. It was. I got to Milwaukee and Ray Allen was there, and I just fi- and I just figured he was drafted by the Bucks and Ray Allen was there. Timberwolves wise, no one talks about this. It like, was one of the most exciting night draft nights in the history of that franchise because. This was an era where the Marbury point guard was an incredibly valuable piece of your team, and the Wolves had never had a point guard who had stayed healthy and or been that good. The excitement that we had that this was going to be the completion of the... The talk immediately was, Minnesota's found their Stockton and Malone, without question. And we were all so jazzed and... Wow. Ray Allen, nice wow. player. Look at that pun. Didn't yeah, I didn't even mean it. Didn't even care. We didn't even care because we said this is great. This is this is it. This is the point guard that this team has tried to get for at that time what 8 years, 7 years. They had him and nobody, nobody said, "Hold on a second here. Ray Allen? Are you sure about that?" The excitement was off the charts. If he's here for 10 years, I see the problem back then was you still would not have had a sufficient point guard, which in '97 the Lakers won championships. Was a problem, a point guard. Yeah, yeah but forget flip, point but, guard. You just don't have the third guy in the big but, three. But no, but the most important thing was Flip at that time wanted and had to have a, a point guard because he played point guard. So like Ray Allen could handle it a little bit though, a little bit, but not. But back then we, we didn't say that. So. I I'm sorry not to be the buzzkill here. I do I think they probably have a playoff run of some sort, but I don't think it results in a championship if they don't make that trade. And and I do think that that trade was on the right track and the fact that Marbury lost his bleeping mind basically and decided I should be the star. I want to go back east. What? He didn't like the cold. He didn't get paid en- enough. Marbury was incredibly good at that time 
But the fact that he decided that he had to have all these things was ridiculous. But I think if they keep Ray Allen, Phil, and Rami, I think they probably start to make the playoffs. I think they're probably a very competitive team, but I don't think it's a whole lot different from ultimately what ended up happening with KG. Yeah, I think it changes the course of Timberwolves' history to the degree that they're not they're not the team with the worst winning percentage since they've entered the league. They they have they I'm with Judd. They have a good run. They have some playoff appearances. They win a few playoff series, maybe a deep run or two, but I like I just said to Judd, the reason the Celtics were the Celtics is cuz you had a big 3, potentially a big 4 if you want to count Rajon Rondo at that time. Here with the Timberwolves, you'd have two-thirds or, or half of that between Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett. You need to tell me what else they're putting around those two guys before I start counting rings and championships and, and assuming that, that that's where this franchise gets to. So I would say they win at least one championship. And I'll give you a couple reasons why. Because you can and nobody can... Freezing cold take you on this. Exactly. Because this is a, this yeah. is a made-up segment. They, they win five consecutive championships. Jordan ends his career here because he's like, I can't win if I'm not in Minnesota. So the point you guys are making, of Would course, like... for the stars you can't miss? Wow. I know. Of course, we need to see what the other complimentary pieces would have been. But, like... It wouldn't have been if if you were able to go get Terrell Brandon anyways. Like you could you could have found a Derek Fisher like reliable type point guard if your star players were wing scorer and Kevin Garnett. You could have found like you found Troy Hudson to be your backup point guard at one point. You 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 traded for Sam Cassell. You know there are there are guys to be had who would have been steady point guards that would have moved the ball around and like it's not like just because you had Ray Allen you would have been screwed at point guard. So I'm just assuming. They would have found a viable point guard of some kind. So the years we're talking about are like 1998 through 2007-ish, right? Basically up to the point where KG left for the Celtics. Well, Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett, when they played for the Celtics in 2007, were both still in their prime. They were both 30 or 31 years old. So in the three or four years leading up to 2007, that's the weakest the NBA has probably ever been. It's in the post-Michael Jordan era. It's post-Lakers dynasty because they fell apart in 2003-2004. And it's pre-LeBron James taking over the league. So if you had prime KG and you had prime Ray Allen, and we're talking about those years from like 2003 through 2007 where a Pistons team with no superstars won the championship in 2004, and a Heat team with fading Shaq, like Shaq was old in 2006, and broken down, still like when he was healthy, was still able to be good enough to to beat a Mavericks team that also wasn't a legendary team in 2006. Uh, I, I just and I know that the Spurs won a couple championships, but basically like the Pistons and a young Dwayne Wade were standing in your way in 2004 and 2006. And if you would have had Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett together, gentlemen, you should have been there. I think we're talking about at least one championship for the Minnesota Timberwolves. You should have been there, man. Draft night. Draft night. We were so excited. But that's not. Steph Marbury is going to be so good. Steph Marbury. And look, for a while he was, too. Like, he gave you a 90s point guard, which we had wanted for so long. So long. In fact, is Steph. Is Steph's going basically off his rocker and demanding to be traded and saying all that? Is that the start of, of the Wolves sort of just bad luck? Like, the Wolves have brought on some of their own bad luck, for sure. But, you know, th- that's an expansion team that gets out of the gates, and they weren't terrible, right? 
They weren't terrible um, people, but at that point were really excited by the team. Is the Marbury is Marbury the first domino of oh my god this doesn't feel right because yeah. I remember I remember when he demanded that trade and Mikhail had to move quick and you had this weird feeling like oh boy this isn't going to be good yeah because the things that happened after that were like the Joe Smith Joe Smith who was not a superstar oh. they signed him to an under the table off rewind. the salary cap books a- deal that cost them four first round draft picks yeah and uh, and then they just made some other like they they botched the draft picks that they did have mm-hmm. so. Also worth noting too in the Western Conference at that time, even if you include like during the Lakers dynasty run in the early two thousands, the other teams they would have had to get past the Spurs, very formidable. Obviously, they won championships, and the Spurs would have been there. But the Sacramento Kings were at the top of the Western Conference, right there with the Lakers. Well, the Timberwolves conquered them a couple years after their peak. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers. I mean, it's not like like Rami brought up who is your third guy. I don't think the third guy was as prominent in the late '90s, early 2000s NBA. I don't think I don't think the third guy was really a thing until Boston in 2008 when they put Paul Pierce. Ray, everyone points to the Miami Heat, right, as being that's the first super team. Well, that's the first team that did it through free agency. Boston swung a trade for Kevin Garnett, and they put three Hall of Famers together in 2007. Before that, it was mostly duos. And the, right? it was MJ the Wolves Pippen. had had their three, Googs, Garnett, Marbury. Weren't the Spurs a big three? Parker, Ginobili, uh, Duncan? That's probably as close as you're going to get, although I kind of view Tony Parker, like Tony Parker probably makes the Hall of Fame, but do you guys view Tony Parker as a superstar player? He's a damn good player in those He's teams. a really good player. I don't know if I would say he was a superstar but player. But you had your but, three boys, Googs. And then Marbury chased Googs out, right? If you had, Marbury hate Tom There's Gugliotta. so much friction there. <laughs> and I don't think KG and Googs, I, I don't know. The yeah, whole, they butted heads, according to what I read today. The whole thing was so much friction. If everyone had just shut up and played basketball, these guys could, could have been really good for a sustained period of time. But everybody had to be have their own agenda and be the main guy. I got to get out of here and be the main guy. And then you think about, like, like in the moment, you're right. Everyone needed that. That star point guard who could score yeah. and handle right. And handle well, how ball, many yeah. of those guys even in, even in, after two thousand? Like how many of those guys won championships? The the Bulls teams in the nineties that Rami grew up watching mm-hmm. in Chicago. I mean, Ron Harper was their point guard for three of those championships. Well, Scotty was the point guard, really. Right, but he wasn't a point guard. No, but that's a coach who thought well outside the box at that time too. And then you go to the Lakers. Okay, the same coach who thinks you know triangle system. Right, Shaq and Kobe. And Derek Fisher was their point guard. I think Ron Harper also played point guard for the Lakers at one point during that stretch. So, yeah, you could say Tony Parker. But again, like, Tony Parker was never regarded as one of the five best, like, talented point guards in the NBA. He was really good. And he played for a great system and had a bunch of great pieces around him. So, you know, going back, it's total revisionist history. But I think they would have won a championship between that weak that week window of, like, 2003 to 07. You guys are saying no, though. Sounds yeah. like you guys are rejecting me. Okay. okay. Yeah, sorry. I can't go championship. <laughs> it would have been a nice competitive run, I just, but I can't guarantee And it sort of was, too. Right. You know? It sort of was. I mean, we we forget that, mm-hmm. that I, I believe it was, what, seven consecutive years that Garnett and that team went to the playoffs? and It was eight. Yeah. Yeah. And I know it took them quite some time, but... There was a time when this was a competitive, fun, pretty darn solid franchise. 
Really, kids, I swear. I yeah. swear, I'm not lying. Yeah, Rami, there was literally Rami, a point after they went seven years of one and done in the playoffs, and then the eighth year is when they went to the Western Conference Finals. and you know I, They went six games with the Lakers with a hobbled Sam Cassell, and you know, we tend to think that if Sam Cassell, they had the best record in the West all year, the Lakers were fighting, and if Sam Cassell hadn't gotten hurt, we think they would have gone to the to the championship. But but the funny thing is, there was a time in Wolves history where we were just bored with their monotonous playoff trips. Oh, that's, yeah. Oh, here Probably we go. Good enough for you. Another one got spoiled. Yep. Yeah. Got Come on, spoiled win some there. series. A long way away from that. Make a run. But that was definitely a thing as of like 12 years ago, 15 years ago. Mm. So uh, later on, we are going to. I know on the schedule we have this for now, but I want to. I want to. I want some room to explore Rami's comparison between KG and Jimmy Butler for later on. But uh, Judd Pretty has been... spot on. Judd and I... We'll get to it. Mm-hmm. We'll get to it. Judd has been cooking up... We were texting yesterday. Uh, who are the next Hall of Famers from Minnesota now that Kevin Garnett is in? Maya Moore, for sure. Walks in, right? First ballot, no question. Mm-hmm. If she does not come back and play, she goes in as soon as she possibly can. Then it gets dicey. I texted you, I believe, Phil, on Saturday. You threw out Maurer, which I think if you look just in a vacuum at the catching years, he probably makes it. I think because he got hurt and then played first base and the production went down after that, he's not close to being a first ballot guy, and I think it takes some time now. But he's got a fighting chance, right? After that, Peterson? Peterson's a sure I think Peterson goes in. I, th- I think he goes in. I mean, if he retires tomorrow, he gets in in five years. He's not going to retire tomorrow, though. He no, might he actually won't. play for He's like going to play for eight more years. <laughs> Jared Allen, does he go in? Pass rushing ability, right end. I feel like was there's really a, darn good. I feel like there's a lot of guys, like, if you're the best at your position over an era like Adrian Peterson was, you're surefire. But the NFL only allows five guys in every year, right? I thought it was more than that now. Is it? Okay. I thought they did. It feels like there's always a bottleneck, though. Like, Chris, okay, if Chris Carter needed six or seven years to get in. Position, though. They discriminate against positions. But there's always pass rushers, though, waiting in line. Yeah, true. So Peterson gets in, for sure. Maurer, I think, has a chance. No Wolves. Not no Carl well, Anthony Towns, no, maybe. I'm but sorry, but being, we're 20 years but away being the man eventually does not count. Wild. It's not his business card. <laughs> I am one in. the man. I am the Eventually. man. I am the man. What does that mean exactly? I can't tell you, but I am the man. Wild, Parisi, or or uh, Ryan Suter are nice players. I don't know that they're Hall of Fame players. So the, this one gets tough beyond, I think, Maya Moore and Peterson, who I think are going to get in for sure. Current Twins players. <sighs> Cur- Nelson Cruz has the PED thing yeah. on his resume. That's going to be tough he for gets him. In. That's exactly what the first yeah. thing I thought of when I thought of his name. I mean, Rami Astadio is a lock, but other than that, I can, just we, don't can know. we stake a claim if if Josh Donaldson gets into the Hall of Fame? Can we stake no, a claim there? No, no, he won't be wearing a Twins hat. Eric Stahl. Although, no. if he wins a World Series here, he hasn't won a World Series anywhere else. If he wins a World Series here, he might be yours, Minnesota. He just might be yours. <laughs> He's still not though, right? I don't know. I don't really fit. I don't think he feels like ours. Um, Justin Morneau's not going to be a Hall of Famer. Nope. Hall of Very Good. Torrey Hunter, Hall of Very Good. Yep. Right? No, yeah, cur- no current twins, right? It's Adrian Peterson, man. I think Adrian Peterson gets in before Jared Allen. I think Jared Allen is Hall of Very Good. 
Yeah, that, that's going to take. And will be on the ballot for a while. I can buy that. And Joe Maurer actually, Joe Maurer has a better chance than we think locally because Joe Maurer got hammered locally a lot more. Like the national opinion of Joe Maurer is, he's oh, of course he's a Hall of Famer among a lot of credible media. Oh, members. I think he is. I think Joe Maurer is a Hall of Famer. If the Yabats on Joe are, are <laughs> so interesting, like he never won a playoff game. Yep. He moved to first his base. His numbers dipped late in his career. Yeah, like I think I think if he had just not played first base and had just retired at thirty two, which or if something had happened like with Justin Morneau where he's just he just can't play, um, I think he would have had a better chance. I think the last couple of years of his career probably hurts his candidacy. It helps his counting numbers, right? But it hurts. It hurts I his agree candidacy. completely. I have another Viking, yeah, who I think is on the path to the Hall of Fame, Daniil Hunter. Hmm. More sacks before the age of 25 than anybody in the history of the league. It's a good one. I mean, yeah. there's a chance he falls off a cliff. That happens in the NFL. Guys go from being young and dynamic to old and not so great very fast in that league, faster than any other league. But if he can stay on this path and stay healthy and put up these types of numbers, even for just another three or four years, I think that puts him in the up rush line of pass rushers, does it not? That's a very good one, yes. Beyond that, oh, Harrison Smith for sure. Is he for sure? Yeah. Okay. I think he's going to make it a for sure. A pro football Hall of Famer. Yes. Yeah, I think he's a fantastic player. He still has time and left. And he's done too. this for a long time. And, and uh, you know, barring him being hurt, I think he also uh, probably goes on for, what, five more years, guys? Five, probably? Harrison Smith. Surefire, I think. Of current players. Yeah, if we're missing anybody, tweet us up. At Phil Mackey, at Jay Zolgad, at Rami is tweeting. Uh, at Score North. When we come back to the show here, gentlemen, Jim Peterson called a decade's worth of Kevin Garnett games, new Hall of Famer Kevin Garnett, and uh, we'll put a quarter in Jim and see how many stories he can tell us as we reflect on one of the great Minnesota athletes of all time in Kevin Garnett and our quarantine discoveries, edition number three, coming up at the top of the hour. I'm Mackie and Jeb with Rami from the TCL Studios. Uh, I'm glad you're still open. Open, open. Helping support our local businesses through the coronavirus crisis. We are open for business. This is open for business. Still open, yeah? Yeah. On Score North. But right now it's time for another mini episode here of Open for Business on Score North. These are unprecedented times in our country, in the state of Minnesota. And we're just looking to highlight some of the businesses that are still open, still operational, and still looking to serve people. And so we're here now with Josh Dutcher from Garage Door Repair Company. Josh, thanks for coming on today, man. Yeah, man, thanks for uh, having me on today. So tell our audience, tell us, uh, for for those people listening that are not familiar with your business, Garage Door Repair Company, just give us a little background on what it is that you guys do over there. Well, it's uh, pretty simple in the name itself. Obviously, we are a garage door repair company, but that is also the name of our company. Um, so we do, you know, repairs and full installations of anything and everything related to your garage door and garage door opener. We also handle all residential and commercial work. So that extends to your home or any other essential businesses that are out there that may need help or support right now. Um, so that's what we do. And and how have things changed for you in the way that you operate over the past 30 days or so and for the foreseeable future? Well, previously, uh, customer service was key for us. We would always meet you at your door, shake your hand, go through the entire process of identifying and making recommendations, basically working face-to-face. 
And that's changed quite a bit now. Uh, we essentially try to tell you to stay in your home if possible. Uh, the nature of our industry does allow us a lot of flexibility there and options to change the way we've done our uh, business. And uh, so now we don't meet at the door. We can make recommendations all over the phone. Um, customers can leave a side door open or even leave the door uh, released and we can get in from the outside. All of our technicians are wearing gloves and masks now to help stop any spread from the work we're doing inside the garage. We've stopped taking check and cash payments, only doing credit card over the phone so we can just key in the cards. And then we email all of our receipts, uh, in estimates, invoices, all of that, and then always cleaning up after ourselves. Um, one of the things that we've also changed recently is we always offered a 5% discount to all of our senior military and AAA members, but we're extending that now to all of our customers, just trying to help everybody with the tough times. We know jobs have been lost and everybody's being impacted by this, but everybody still needs their door to go up and down. So we're just trying to help out. Yeah. I I feel like, you know, it's, it's things like this that when people's lives get thrown off and, and a new routine set in, people just sort of you know, put things on the back burner, but give us just a few examples of besides like the obvious, the, you know, f- f- making sure the door can go up and down. What are some other things that people should still be thinking about when it comes to garage door repair? Well, there's always uh, maintaining the door, making sure it's uh, lubed up properly. That's something you can do from your own home on your own. Not everybody realizes that you do need to actually lubricate the door at least twice a year. It's actually the largest moving mechanical object in your home, and a lot of people tend to take it for granted until it actually does break down. One of the things we've touched on recently with this whole pandemic that we're dealing with here is the automation side of things. And uh, Amazon has partnered with LiftMaster, and they have been really uh, pushing what's called a MyQ system. So you can actually open and close your door from your smartphone anywhere in the world, essentially, as long as you have an internet connection. And all of our openers have the gateway built in to be able to connect to your in-home Wi-Fi and then be able to open and close your door remotely. You can actually have deliveries then put inside your garage so that those are secure. I know that's also become another issue where packages are being stolen off of people's doorsteps. But you can even get uh, groceries delivered inside your garage now, too. And you can do that all remotely through the app and through Amazon. That's awesome. Josh, uh, just any last words? Well, two things for you. Any last words for the audience here? And uh, where are the best places for people to find out more about Garage Door Repair Company? Yeah, final words would be, I mean, we're all in this together. We're also planning to donate 5% of all of our revenue for April to Meals on Wheels because we know that's also very important out there. Um, So that's kind of the final words there. In terms of finding us, uh, you can certainly find us online at our website, garage door repair co mn.com or just pick up the phone and give us a call at 612-886-9606 awesome josh thanks for coming on thank you very much appreciate it you having me all right that is josh dutcher from garage door repair company and this is another mini episode of open for business on score north when we come back jim peterson with some kevin garnett stories for us Jonathan here with the Score North download. The American Red Cross continues to face a severe blood shortage due to the coronavirus pandemic, and the ne- and they need your help. Healthy blood and platelet donors are asked to please give now. Donating, donating blood remains safe, and blood banks remain open all across the Twin Cities metro. To schedule an appointment, visit scorenorth.com keyword red to learn more and give blood over at scorenorth.com. 
Godzolga had just released the first in a five-part series of the top five Vikings quarterbacks of all time. That was voted on by Patrick Royce, Phil Mackey, Matthew Collar, and Judd. So go check out who number five is right now over at scorenorth.com and also leave a comment there. Whether you agree or not, whether you think they should be higher or not on the list at all. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Jodhrami. Kevin Garnett punches his big ticket to the Hall of Fame straight out of high school to NBA stardom. One of three players with 25,000 points, 10,000 rebounds, and 5,000 assists. NBA championship Olympic gold. All right, welcome back. Mackie and Joe with Rami here from the TCL studios. Live video streaming as well on Score North Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch, where you can see Rami in the quarantined studio. There he is right there. That's him. Hey. <laughs> That's me. Look at me. Um, Jim Peterson called for Fox Sports North uh, more than a decade of Kevin Garnett games. And uh, Jim P., we love having you on the show. And this is going to be kind of a weird question to start off with, but how would you describe Kevin Garnett to an alien who came in and has never heard of Kevin Garnett? Like, how, how, what is your <laughs> elevator pitch for how to explain Kevin Garnett? <laughs> that's a good question. Oh, man, that is uh, that's a hard one because uh, you, you have to physically describe him and then personality-wise and then what he means to humans. You know, it's like there's a lot. There's and This is what I say about KG all the time, and, and I don't know, Judd, did you spend any time around him? Uh, yes. You're probably the only one. Not a ton, okay, so, but a bit. Yeah. Um, he, he's he's one of the most complex people I've ever been around. Uh, very, very uh, intelligent, uh, super high-functioning, um, intense, um, physically dominant, um, talented, uh, I mean, it, he's just so layered, you know, like it, it, it's, it's really hard to, to explain like who he is. He's one of the just most interesting people I've ever been around. I mean, like truly like he, he, it just to watch him every day, I just play the game. You know, he brought so much joy to fans. If you just saw him when, when he walked onto the target center floor to play a game, you saw a little snippet of it. But then if you watched him practice, you saw other layers. If you traveled with him on the plane, and sat and watched him interact with his teammates, you saw another layer. If you talked to him, it was another thing. Um, you know, pretty much when you see people, what you see is what you get. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Phil, I play golf with you, right? And I've interacted with you, and, and you know, I've heard you on the radio, and, and, and you're pretty much kind of the same same person. I mean, just a jackass, you know, both. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, you know, you're, you know, I, I'm not really that much different. I think that from from one place, but but Ticket was like he was just so complex. You know what I mean? Like and and interesting. Like I used to uh, when I first started with the Timberwolves, <clears throat> one of my jobs was, um, well, Hartman was doing the post game show. Um, I would uh, I would go and do post game sound in the locker room, and and really only on the road because at home, you know, Bill Honaker, other people, they would do. Um, post game sound, but when I on the road would go in the locker room and do post game sound, you had to wait for KG. Like he didn't, he didn't just like sit there in his locker and like at, answer questions. He didn't start answering questions until he turned around. No, once he turned around, 
he, he was uh, probably one of the, I, I would say sports writers would probably rank him up there in the top 10 or 15 of, of all athletes, like, like once he turned around. But Steve Ashburner, who was the beat writer back in those days, he would be so upset. Like if you talk to Ash right now about what it was like covering Kevin Garnett, he would say it was infuriating, especially when you had West Coast deadlines. You'd be sitting in there in L.A. after in Staples Center wait after a game, and you'd have to, you know, you know, you're trying to get your 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 piece in, and you need a Garnett quote, and he's taking forever to get out of the shower and to turn around in his locker to take questions. But once he did, he gave you freaking gold, man. Like it was unbelievable how like the metaphors that he would come up with. Like he really thought about your question. You know, some of these guys they they take your questions and they and they just give you some kind of cliche ticker was never like that so um it, it it's it, i was really lucky to be around him you know because as, as frustrating as it was um and he wasn't always the warmest nicest person like it, you know if you did anything that that kind of graded against him he he would hold grudges um and that wasn't always nice uh but um, to be around him was was just an incredible experience. Was it too much sometimes? I got friends who I love dearly, but they're they're really intense and and it wears on you. And I can only be around them so much. Was Kevin Garnett ever just too much? And you either just wish he would shut up, or you would just leave the room and go somewhere else. Well, I, I can't ever say that I've, I've ever spent a time with him like that where I ever had too much. You know, I mean, obviously, like um, you know. I just, I just always would talk to, you know, I, I obviously I, I was a player, so I know how players act. I was, you know, I played with Akeem Olajuwon. I played with Chris Mullen, Tim Hardaway, Mitch Richmond. I played with Kenny Smith. I played with Raymond Tisdale, Danny Ainge, you know. I, I played with a lot of great players and, and was around a lot of great players. Um, and, you know, I mean, when guys would, when we played, um, you know, sports writers and broadcasters would, would be on the same bus with us. Like we would always, they'd be, we, we flew commercial. We would sit at, we would sit at, um, at gates, you know, and sit there and, and we'd fly with, with people like, you know, just like a normal person. You know what I mean? Like it's the NBA now and pro sports in general is like the velvet rope is up, you know? And so um, I think there's a lot of players now that are extra, you know what I mean? Like, like, I think that like the whole league is extra, um, and, and so I think guys were more normal. I mean, like Larry Bird and, and Magic Johnson sat at the gate at Minneapolis airport. You know what I mean? That's amazing. Can you imagine <laughs> um, just like Kevin, and, Dur- Kevin Durant and Steph Curry are just like having a beer right there. Kevin Durant sitting at, at, at yeah. gate C14. Um, the gate has changed no. to E15. <laughs> oh, dang it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's, that's, that's just, you just can't even imagine that happening. So. Um, but so like, you know, like when, when Ticket would walk on the plane, like he, he wouldn't, you know, like he would, sometimes he would say hello. Sometimes he wouldn't, you know I mean? Like, you, you know, like, I don't know. It just, it just was, it just, the league is just different now. It just, is just different. It's just different. But I'll tell you, like his teammates like love him. And I, I never, he was never one of my teammates. So I never knew him that way. But like the, the, the guys that played with him just like, just love him. And I can see why. And if you coached him, you loved him because he, freaking brought it every day and he i just i just loved him for that i loved him for the fact that he played so hard he, he demanded that others play hard and i think that for the most part he was a great teammate from that perspective and jim p2 how, how much credit does kg uh get because going in the way back machine in 95 he's drafted by uh wolves first round 
And at that point in time, he's the first high school player, Jim Pete, to come out since 75. And so yeah. I remember a lot of us were saying, oh, boy, that's a risky draft pick. You know, this is a kid, basically, uh, hasn't gone to college. And, and at that time, that that was a big deal. How much credit does he, he get to for for sort of for a time period there uh, paving the way for players coming directly from high school, which the year that he came in, I think a lot of us thought was a really daunting task. Yeah, I mean, I think he was, uh, he, he deserves a lot of credit, as does Kobe Bryant, you know, as does Tracy McGrady, as does, you know, all those guys that came in out of high school and, and performed at a high level right away. Um, but Ticket was, um, like I say, you know, he's, he's an old soul, you know, you know, he really is like you would, when you, and you interviewed him and talked to him back at, even when he was, uh, 18, 19, 20, like he just was, uh, he just was a different kind of cat, man. He was cut out of a different kind of cloth. Like they're just like, they just don't make people like that every day. Like he's special. And, um, he, he was an old soul, you know, and some guys are, are made for that. LeBron James is, is cut out of that same cloth. You know, LeBron, when you hear him interview when he was in high school for crying out loud, you know, we've, we've been watching all these, uh, McDonald's all Americans games since we've been sequestered into our houses. You know, I, that was one of the first things I did was watch the LeBron James McDonald's all American game. He was so well-spoken as a 17 year old kid, you know, I mean, just amazing. And KG was just like that. So, he deserves a tremendous amount of credit because he was a real trailblazer. Bill Willoughby was the guy that you're talking about, yep. and Moses, you know, came out early. Um, I knew Bill Willoughby like when I played for the Rockets, like he was around, and like you know, um, and Moses Malone, of course, you know, was so young when he came out. Um, he was supposed to go to the University of Maryland, and he he for went to, uh, college to go play in, in the ABA, um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, just Kevin Garnett is is singularly unique, no question. Jim Peterson is with us here uh, talking KG. KG is going to the Hall of Fame, and uh, Jim Pete is a treasure trove of stories, and uh, it just goes back to the late 90s broadcasting games for Kevin Garnett on Fox Sports North. And I just, I just threw out, we just, we started the show with a new segment called Alternate Reality because you, as you can imagine right now, Jim Pete, we love just making up new segments because there's no actual live sports. And, and the, and the one that I I think about, I feel so sorry for you guys to talk. It's no, it's been super fun. We're having a good time. We're doing action movie rewind on Fridays if you want to join us uh, for Con Air. What are we doing? Con Air this Friday, Jim, if you want to jump on. (laughs) But I threw out a, a what if scenario to these guys and said, the Marbury thing wound up blowing up in everyone's face. What if the Wolves had hung on to Ray Allen and Ray Allen sticks around for 10 years as KG's sidekick? before they ever go to Boston, and they do it here in Minnesota. How far could the Wolves have gone? When you think back to Kevin Garnett's first run with the Timberwolves, 10-plus years, what is your number one what-if scenario that runs through your mind? Like, what if Cassell hadn't gotten hurt in 04? What if Ray Allen was, like, lack of a sidekick? What's your number one what-if with Kevin Garnett? You know, I just was watching uh, uh, the the Malik Seeley game, um, from 90, uh, 90, was it 2000? 2000, 2000, yeah. 90, 90, 90, 2000. Yep. I was doing radio with Chad Hartman. Trent Tucker was doing the games with, uh, with Sean Grandy. Um, and, uh, just seeing that team, you know, it was a pretty, pretty talented team. You know, you got Joe Smith and, and, uh, Wally Zerbiak and, 
um, Roshan Asterovich and, you know, some of the depth that we, that we had on that team. Now is the, is the, uh, Ray Allen thing happening happening in a vacuum where I can also see what if the Joe Smith thing doesn't happen? Yeah, you know because that was four draft picks, um, and that that was just as crippling as anything else. You know, I think I don't think people remember how crippling that was actually to not. I mean, the Wolves are a playoff team, so like you're not talking about lottery picks. You're talking about you know uh, bottom third probably picks, first round picks, but still. When you don't get first round picks, that's that's debilitating because there are trade chips and other things that can happen. But um, I was there in, in Oakland when Steph Marbury uh, was gone and Sam Mitchell's booting basketballs up in the stands because he's so pissed because he realizes that that this 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 dynamic that could have been so great um, not, it was over with. And so you know Minnesota got Terrell Brandon in. in um, in you know that whole deal and t- TV was great, but I mean you think about Terrell, Terrell Brandon, Chauncey Phillips, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett. That's a pretty good like guard package. You know if you could have kept Chauncey around, you know what I mean. Not maybe not traded Chauncey if you had Ray Allen and you had Chauncey Phillips and Kevin Garnett. That's that's a pretty good trio right there, and that would have been pretty fantastic. And you know the the Joe the Joe Smith thing. You know that whole thing that how it got found out and and you know. It, Kevin McHale had to leave for a year and, you know, it just was a, just a huge mess. Um, I wish that wouldn't have happened as well, but yeah, the what if, if, if you just would have kept Ray Allen, that would, that's like one of the all timer what ifs. And I think they could have, I think they could have definitely won championships. I think had that had happened. Another thing we're doing with no sports to watch is something we call quarantine discoveries, where we talk about TV shows, artists, musicians, whatever it is, a new a new workout program that you found with all this time that we all suddenly have trapped in our houses. You have any uh, quarantine discoveries recommendations for us? Uh, all locked up in the house there, Jim Pete. Oh yeah, um, we got? Let, me, on, let me let me go find this thing. Um, I was watching. Um, Nate Robinson was going into uh, people's homes, and he was uh, – it's called House Guests. And, um, <laughs> and so <laughs> he, was, he was like just going into, into NBA players' houses, and he would just go – it was like, kind of like Cribs, but it's Nate Robinson, you know what I mean, coming into the house. And so he would interview people. And so I happened to watch the um, House Guests. It's on YouTube. Check it out. Um, Nate Robinson went into James Johnson's house. Um, and he, you know, James Johnson showing him around. And so James Johnson took him into his weight room and, um, he, he showed him this, um, this thing called X three. Have you seen this thing? No, no. It's like a, it's like, it's like a band workout. So it's like a metal bar that you stick like rubber bands of different sizes that have different tensions. Oh, I've seen this. Yeah, I've seen that. And so, and so, and so, uh, Nate Robinson, like James Johnson was putting Nate Robinson through this band workout using this X3 bar with the different bands and, and uh, it looked pretty cool. So when this quarantine thing happened, I'm like, they closed our workout room. You can't go to the health club. So I ordered the X3 and it's, uh, it was like 500 bucks. Look at that. Look at and, you. Wow. And, and my son, and my son Sanjay's home. So he's using it. So we got our little home gym. It's the X3. I'm not really, I don't even get any money from this. You should be a spokesman. About the Jim Pete. Yeah, well, Jim Pete's like, and it's promo code Jim <laughs> Pete. Jim <laughs> Pete. <laughs> just go to, just go to Pete J. And you can order one. Special offer right now, $450. Really? It's James Johnson that sold me on it. Because like, first of all, that dude is awesome. 
I mean, how great is James Johns? Like, yeah. you guys haven't got a chance to really chat, chat with him yet, but that dude is friggin' awesome, and I just love, I love what he does and how he plays. And talking with him is great. And I, I didn't even get a chance to ask him about the X3 and the Nate Robinson thing. I just, I just saw it on, um, on YouTube. And, um, but I will, I'll, I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably gonna interview some guys during this time off here, and I'm gonna ask James about that. So stay tuned. A little Skype or something. Yeah. Hey, Jim Pete, back to Phil's point too. Um, Explain to him, because he was probably about, what, 10 at the time? Explain to him the draft night joy that we felt as Wolves fans, the night that they made the trade and flipped Allen to the Bucks for Steph. Because I remember thinking the Timberwolves, and this was a different era, obviously, of basketball, Jim Pete, but I remember we were all saying the Timberwolves finally have a point guard. They they have been searching for one forever and we all really thought that Steph and KG and Googs, I guess, to a certain degree, but KG and Steph were going to pair up for a 10 to 15 year run that was going to be phenomenal. And there was just that, that probably short of the playoff year, that probably is in my top five nights of Timberwolves excitement. And it came on draft night. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was great. And I think you're also thinking about um, the fact that um, Stockton and Malone was. Yep was kind of waxing and waning. It was kind of like towards the end. And, um, you know, you're looking at that dynamic and how dominant Stockton and Malone was. And I think that everybody's kind of saying that this is going to be the modern version of, of John Stockton and Carl Malone. And KG is going to revolutionize the power forward position. And he, did, he certainly did that. And then Marbury, you know, Flip, one of the things about Flip, and Flip and McHale would always debate as to who was better. Like, you know, if you were going to, like pick one. Like I think that, um, you know, cause at the time uh, there, the separation wasn't that great. And in a lot of ways, Steph Marbury probably was in some ways a more polished player than Garnett was at least at the, at the initial stage. We're talking about 96. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <clears throat> um, and so they would debate and, but flip always really, um, really coveted point guards. Like he thought guard play was the most important thing in basketball. And I don't disagree with him. I, I, I think he's right. I think that that point guard play is super important. You got to be able to shoot and that's that shooting guard position is very important, but the game is so different now because what even is a point guard? You know what I mean? James Harden is, is a version of it. LeBron James, a version of it. Steph, uh, Stephen Curry's a version of it. So, but like someone like Steph Marbury was so physically, physically dominant. Remember what it just like, what a powerhouse he was. Like if you like, he was so physically dominant at that position. Like he was, he could get to anywhere on the floor. He could elevate, he could shoot, he could defend. Um, and so like, that was just a super exciting thing. I wasn't part of the organization at that time, mm-hmm. but I just know being in the organization, as long as I have and talking to the people, like if you talk to Tom Hanneman about this, Hanny would, would have a, a, a big time opinion about what that meant. And, Guys like Jeff Munichy, who you you will all know really well, like what that what, what that meant for Mune uh, to have Steph Marbury. I just know what it meant when he left because I was there for that, and and that was super disappointing. Yeah. Well, Jim Pete, we we appreciate you uh, carving some time out of your quarantine life here to to tell KG stories and anecdotes for for the audience and for Timberwolves fans who are just wondering, you know, the, his jersey's going to get retired in Boston. I mean, are we? Yep. Is this thing going to get patched up at some point in the next couple of years? What does your gut tell you? Um, knowing Kevin, um, probably not until uh, the team is sold. Yeah. 
Um, but I mean, that's just the reality of it. Um, but I think that, that Glenn is such a incredible human being that if anybody could patch it up and, and try to make amends and, and make it happen, it, it would be him, but it's, it's up to Kevin. You know, it's it, Glenn. It's, you know, it's, this is not about Glenn Taylor. This is about Kevin Garnett really it's, you know, Glenn has, has tried to reach out. Glenn has tried to, tried to, you know, uh, you know, build a bridge, um, you know, things happen with ownership situation, you know, when foot passed and, um, you know what I mean? Like these things just have to be decisions have to be sort of like be willing to be swept under the rug a little bit. And so, you know, it's not going to happen in Minnesota until, until KG wants to happen. And that's, that's just a reality. It's too bad because this fan base, you know, really it shouldn't even be about anything, but Kevin Garnett and it should be about the fans. It's yeah. not about the owner of the team. Absolutely. It's about, it's about, yep. it's about the sanctity of basketball in the state of Minnesota and his relationship with the fan base. That's really what it's about. Yeah. Amen. That's Jim Peterson. Talk to you soon, man. Thanks, Thanks Jim. for coming on. Okay, guys. Okay, see ya. All right. Uh, hopefully we get games back at some point. He's exactly but, right, though. Yeah. That's exactly right. This um, is a, this this should be about Garnett and the fans. And that's that's kind of, you know, I think there is a Glenn Taylor aspect to this that is very, very criticizable. Just, uh, you know, a 25-year sample of the Timberwolves. Hmm? Stumbling all over themselves and the most important relationship going by the wayside. However, on the KG side, Jim Pete's right. Like whatever, whatever feelings you're harboring and whatever bad will has been built up, it's never spilled over into the fan base. The fans have the fans have never bailed on KG, and KG has never really bailed on the fans other than like not being at Target Center. But it, but like he came back. What was it last year? What Ryan Saunders' first game? And he sat front row and and had his Timberwolves garb on, and it's just it it is sad that he's going to go in and, and and get his Celtics jersey retired before his Timberwolves jersey retired. But as Jim Pete said off the top of that conversation, he is a complex human being, Kevin Garnett. And uh, I know later in the show we're going to get to an article that was written by was it Jackie McMullen who wrote that for ESPN dot com? I believe so. Yeah, detailing KG behind the scenes as a leader, and there's oh, complicated layers there as well. Oh yeah, there and are. We'll flush some of that. Yeah, out. it was Jackie McMullen. Yeah, it's almost like somebody else who was here. It's it's not oh not true. It's weird. You seems, mean somebody who's it's got not a, not true? Seems very similar. You mean one guy has a title and one guy doesn't? We can talk about it later. Unless you guys want to get into it now, no. Let's uh, right. let's get into it. Let's get into we'll it at like five thirty. Can't 530? get into it now. All right, so. no time to get into it right yeah. now. But um, yeah, Jim Jim Pete. I, I I mean that's that's as pointed as I've heard anyone say flat out. Like, hey, it's on KG at this point. That, like, but like, what if you're Glenn Taylor and you've tried to reach out and well, you know that you've kind of screwed things up in the past and you could have done things differently. Here's my problem though. So flip. So I I think that. To my point, this is about two people or two entities, the fans and KG and Flip. What I don't understand from the Glenn perspective is Glenn Glenn went a long way towards his um, uh, comments after Garnett left for Boston to screw that up round one. Okay, so Flip comes back here and works his ass off to get KG to come back. Mm -hmm. Wave your no trade from Brooklyn. I don't want to No, Here's what we're going to do. And here's what we're going to do. So the Glenn part that I am very, very would love to know the full play-by-play of is what was what exactly did Flip promise KG? What was not delivered upon in that? And how did Glenn screw this up again to make 
KG, who is a very, who is a very big, as Jim Pete said, on grudges. How did he screw this up again so thoroughly to get us yeah. back to where we sit right now? That's yeah. my question. I don't know. And but I'd like the play by play. I want to know if promises were made that Glenn Taylor didn't know about or didn't sign off on. That's what it seems like. Right? Right, but then don't you have to say what were they, Kevin, and how do we work those out exactly? Because sadly, Flip has passed. Like, don't you work to save this right after that whole thing happens? Like now it seems too late. Again. It also it, something else worth bringing up. KG with his temperamental personality and the fact that he holds grudges and he can be moody and all the things that we just talked about with Jim Pete. He doesn't strike me as somebody that you would want running things behind the scenes. I think he's somebody that you definitely want, hey, be involved on an ownership level. I got you. Be involved on an ownership level. Definitely be like a face of the organization and but I don't I don't need someone temperamental and moody and all those different things running important things behind the scenes. That, and that may, and I, maybe that's part of the discussion, too, behind the scenes when Flip Saunders passes away and thinking, all right, well, what do we do here? We need, we need, and of course, when you, <laughs> this is the thing about Glenn Taylor, like, all right, we need a steady hand to run the ship and somebody who's going to be fair and cross over departments, Tom Thibodeau, bring him on down, right? Well, how, are so, we to, how are we to know that Tibbs was a little bristly himself? Yeah, there wasn't any evidence. I mean, you and I celebrated just as much as I was going to say, I'm guilty that of that one. I can't. I cannot say that I sat there and pounded this table and said, this is not a good hire. I thought it was a great hire. So, Amazing. goes to show what I know. Uh, gentlemen, are you ready for quarantine discoveries when we come back here? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, I need right. things. I'm almost, I'm like three episodes from being done with Ozark, so I need things. For All sure. right, so things that we discovered can be entertainment, can be things just walking around in our daily lives. Things that we discovered specifically because we are all living that quarantine life. And uh, the phone lines are open, too, at 651-646-8255. 651-646-8255. You can listen to us live and on demand on the Score North app, which is free to download in the Google Play and Apple stores. Go ahead, download it, listen to our show between 4 and 6 o'clock, listen on demand to all of our podcasts, and read articles, draft-related articles from Matthew Collar. Judd Zolgad has a bunch of Awesome series in the works right now and going forward, and uh, and you can you can be all consuming with your Score North content. All right, quarantine discoveries when we come back here. We could all use a little help while quarantine, and thanks to our many local great partners, Score North Listening Rewards is here with some cash relief all month long. Score North is giving you the chance at twenty five to two hundred dollars in cash just for listening to us. For your chance at free cash, download the Score North mobile app, register, and you could be a winner. I'm a bit of a wiener snob. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Welcome in. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Score North and the Score North app. And this is now the third ever edition of quarantine discoveries. Gentlemen, we're going to go around the room here and we'll take phone calls. We'll take tweets at Phil Mackey, at Jay Zolgad, at Score North, at Rami is tweeting. What are you, at John Bob? What's at your. John Harrison 90. At John Harrison 90. Yeah. John Bob's good, though. Thank you. You should change. Can you just change it to John Bob? Yeah, I like John Bob. I mean, I can, but I just changed to John Harrison 90, I think, like a year and a half ago now. John Bob is more fun. 
Yeah, John Bosch. Better brand. I'll better branding. I'm with Rami here. Yeah, John You don't Bosch have a blue good. check mark, do Is you? It, no. Because if you change your name, they take away the blue check mark. Oh, really? Yes. I'm fine you with that. Do it now before you blow up. Do it now! Get the... Sorry, I can't hear those three words now. Without going <laughs> All right, gentlemen, we're looking for quarantine discoveries, things that you wouldn't have otherwise discovered. Could be new shows that you're watching, could be new things that you witness in society, like literally anything, quarantine discoveries that you wouldn't have otherwise stumbled across if not for living this quarantine life. Let's start with Rami. Let's just, like, one at a time, we'll go around the room. <laughs> I just... I'm I'm hesitant to say this because I'm worried other people are gonna are gonna go and discover this themselves. Um, Mackie, I I ranted on Score North Live today, weekdays noon to two. It's me and a rotating cast of Score North personalities. You can go listen to it anytime you want on the totally free Score North app. I ranted today about I was out to I walked my dog around the lake on Saturday, and people don't know how to socially distance. Um, I discovered you don't have to walk on the walking path. That's that's what I discovered. If it's not muddy, like if it's a nice, dry, sunny day, just go off in the grass, like ten feet away from any walking path, away from anybody, if it's at all possible, and just and just walk over there. And nobody else is doing it. It was like you me, didn't know this till now. It was Robbie? like me and two other people. The only it was like me and two other people around the whole lake who were not on the walking path, just off, just off in the grass, feet. Feet yards away from from the walking path, and yards away from anybody I'm else. So confused. Right you don't now. have to walk on the path. You do not have to walk on the walking path. That's what I discovered while I was out walking on Saturday. So you're saying that there are there are people that are getting COVID nineteen because they are abiding by the rules of the walking. Yeah, path. they're just they're sheep. Then they this is what they've done. This is what they've this is what they will do. They this the path is there. I shall walk on the path. They don't even think about it. They they will move as far as they can from other people while still staying on the path. Like there is a right about that. like there's a gate or mm-hmm. a fence or some a barrier there. There's nothing stopping you. Leave the path. Leave the path. Mm. Judd Zolgad. All right. Quarantine discoveries. All right. First one. I, I've decided to take this time of tragedy and it stinks okay i'm not going to try and sugarcoat this i'm not going to try and say that there that people are dying every day and it just stinks but i've decided that in my quarantine time what i'm going to do is perfect the art of nothingness and here's one for you so the wife says saturday as she's on the couch watching tv why don't you take stella for a walk and I'm like, why don't you take her for a walk? I'm being lazy. Wow. <laughs> but, 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 hold on a second. Hold on a second. Like you and the wife are going to be social <laughs> no, distancing. No, no because I'm, legally socially distanced. I'm smart enough to know that Don is president and CEO of Zolgad Inc., sure. right? Yeah. So I'm not going to stand by that statement. It just sounds good when yeah, I say Yeah, that was while it. you were grabbing the leash. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. But here's the key to nothingness now. And it's part of what Rami just said. I take Stella down two blocks, two and a half blocks to our park, right? To Rami's point, people are not social distancing well at all. Like I get down to the park and it's sort of a free for all of people walking fairly close to each other. I took one look and said, Stella, we're going to take a right here, go back up the alley and go home. I love that you had this conversation with Stella. So I get Uh home and Stella and I, Open the door, we walk in, and Don said, that was really quick. I said, social distancing has become an issue at our park. I'm not going to risk it. And so what, I've, what I'm doing is taking every opportunity to do less and doing it masked brilliantly by me, in my opinion, with the fact that I'm being safe. Pun intended. Judd's always been an innovator. 
He really has been. But seriously, all these people are at the park. Judd, Judd, people are going to look back at Judd's life and be like, you know what? That guy that we all kind of laughed at sometimes, yep. like that guy was a forward something. thinker, man. Exactly right. And I'll be dead and gone, and people will be like, <laughs> wow. But so I took her for a walk, short, sweet, came right back, was not accosted, but confronted. Very short walk. I was accosted. I was basically accosted while I was trying to walk my dog over the weekend. By whom? By people who don't understand. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't get near them. Judd, there was a group. I was done. Judd, there was a group of six. No. Six. I know. Yeah. Three couples who all had their, each had their own dog with them. And their dogs would stop to do their business. And all six would stop right there on the walking path while they stopped to pick up their dog's business. How are you so dense? Like, not densely populated. How are you so dense upstairs to not get what's going on here? And I said it earlier, and I'll say it again. Runners, bikers, nobody gives a damn about your time. Don't go running right past me shoulder to shoulder, dude. Don't go biking right past me shoulder to shoulder so you don't have to slow down. If you don't have room to pass and keep the distance, slow your ass down. I don't care if you're up to, like, your fat-burning stage. I don't care, man. Nobody cares about your time. Nobody cares about your pace. We're much more concerned with people not dying. Just slow down. You're not in the Tour de France. You're not in the Boston Marathon. You're not in anything that matters. All right? You don't matter. You don't matter is what I'm trying to tell you. So stop acting Just like you down. matter. Just yeah. slow it down. You're, you're right. <gasps> Jonathan, your, quarant- PSA, your quarantine discoveries this weekend. Uh, a little bit further back of my backyard. I've, I have a big backyard at my house, but because my weekends have always been filled up with either working as a part-time employee here or since last year, full-time employee and doing the soccer broadcast, I never have really had time to really keep up with my backyard. But this weekend, it was nice enough out. My kid wanted to get out and play ball. And so we went out in the backyard, and we just started discovering. Because my backyard goes up against, like, a city park and, like, just woods and stuff. So we just went back there and started discovering. There's a lot more to my yard than I've ever kept up. And so now I have a lot more yard work. So you're you're like Jeremiah Johnson just exploring the outdoors because of quarantine time here. And I discovered an internet archive of old Manchester United games. So I've been binging wow. a lot of old okay. soccer now, games. Now, That's what it really yes. was. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing a lot of work in the backyard. Yeah. Yes. I didn't do work. Uh, I didn't do work. The leaves I just looked. I just wa- We just walked around. <laughs> Before I watched I the black and white work. 1965 game. <laughs> Before I watched <laughs> that Pele. That is true. Yes. Also true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen. I discovered two things this weekend. One of them was a show. One of them was an activity. Uh, actually, the show was a movie. Have you guys ever heard of The Invention of Lying from 2009? Yes. Ricky Gervais, right? Yes. Yeah. So Good. this is the beauty of Netflix. Like, Netflix will just take obscure movies from 10 years ago and say, you know, we're going to put that on your main screen and, like, get a million people to watch it. <laughs> Listen to this cast, okay? So the plot is Ricky Gervais lives in, and I don't know what, like, year it is, but he lives in a world in which... Everybody always tells the truth all the time. Uh-huh. And he is the first person to ever not tell the truth. And he discovers world fame. And so, you know, by just tweaking little things here and there, he's able to lie to women to get what he wants, to be more powerful, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yep. This is the cast, okay? Kay. Ricky Gervais, Rob Lowe, <laughs> Tina Fey, Rob Lowe fits. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Whoa. Did I say Jonah Hill already? No. Louis C.K., Jennifer Garner, and Jeffrey Tambor. It's a great cast. Like, yeah. was, you couldn't get that cast for under $150 million now. 
Well, maybe a couple of them. Yeah, Louis C.K. is... Uh... I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman's tough to get these days, but... <laughs> Louis C.K. will take That's a sad death, man. He was so good. Yes. But this was... Uh, this is one of the weirdest movies I've ever watched before. Do you like it a lot, or...? I don't know if I would watch it again, but because it's quarantine life, I say go find it on Netflix and watch it for a first time if you haven't already. <laughs> the invention of lying. It's very fascinating. Uh, the other thing, and I texted Rami about this this weekend, the other thing that I rediscovered, mm-hmm. specifically because I'm just looking for new things to do, hanging out in the uh, the old apartment, mm-hmm. I did a 30-minute yoga session on Saturday, boys. Look at this guy. Oh, you're just trying to be like him. Look at this guy. I did a 30-minute yoga session. He's segment. copying you, Rami. No, I'm, yeah. I, I encourage it. It's now, good for you. I discovered... Are you sore yet? It's good for you. I am much more sore today than I was yesterday. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Hips. But this was on Saturday? It was on Saturday. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't really sore yesterday, but now I'm now I'm definitely sore today. All right. And um, the only thing is, I went through my Roku device and just did a search for yoga, like just like a free yoga platform, mm-hmm. just to like just to dip my toes back in, because it's probably been eight, nine years since I've done... And I've never been like a regular yoga guy, but I did a couple P90X yoga sessions eight, nine years ago when Tony Horton was was popular. And I realized halfway through that it was yoga for old people. That's the nothing three, wrong with that, Phil. The three people on the screen doing the exercise were all at least 58 or 60 years old. So you should have felt good about One guy was very clearly 70. I bet you were crushing it. <laughs> no. is, is there a problem with this? And all, three, and all three of them put me to shame in how limber they are and how much they can stretch. Yoga like we'll, just, we'll just grab, okay, we're just going to bend over and we're just going to grab the bottoms of our feet while keeping our legs straight. I'm like, I can't even reach my no, knees. No, you're not, no we're hell? not doing that. Can I give you two recommendations for yoga, Mackie? Sure. For channels that you can go to for good yoga workouts yeah, uh, yeah. that I subscribe to on YouTube. Uh, one is Yoga with Adrian. Okay. And the other is, uh, it's from a website called... Yeah, I'm, I'm already in on that. I'm a Yo, Rocky fan. It's, Adrian, it's from no, a website uh, called... Uh, and this is just a great this is just a great website in general, not just for yoga. It's called Fitness Blender. And they have they have a filter on there. So you can like pick what kind of workout you want, how long you want to work out, what body part you want to focus on, and like what equipment you have. And you just put all this stuff into the filter, and it spits out workouts for you. It'll give you like... This is on YouTube? Uh, well, they have their own websites, fitnessblender.com, but all okay. their videos are posted on YouTube as well. Let's go back to yoga with Adrian for a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, let's hear some that's Rocky. The, that's who I'm doing the 31-day uh, oh. 30, program. I'm Adrian. No, it's And not. then Schwarzenegger walks in. <laughs> and then Schwarzenegger walks in. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you doing these poses? Just lift the weights. I was wondering if you wanted to, uh, no. to uh, no yoga. downward dominate. You lift weights. <laughs> are you... I got a question for both of you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Are you starting to to make the adjustment? Because I started this on Friday with the with the game that Jim Pete talked about, the Martin Luther King uh, Pacers Wolves game, and then considered it uh, or continued it on Saturday when they showed the Wild beating the Stars in two thousand. Are you guys able to start to watch some sports replays in non HD? I haven't done it yet because at, at first I couldn't do it. And now, just because the games are so compelling... I'm not doing a lot of replay in general. I'm transitioning. Either. I have not watched any of these, like, not even the Minneapolis Miracle. I, just, opening I haven't day, gotten into it yet. I know well, what should have been opening day. I watched my Cubs win the World Series in 2016. Just bring a little baseball joy in my life. I welled up. Seeing Malik Seeley hit that three-pointer yeah. and the Grandy call, three at last. That's pretty good. The three at last call. Seeing that game again, I got to admit... For the first time in twenty years, was pretty cool. 
Was it cool because Malik Seeley died shortly after, or was it just cool because it was like you know what? A, a positive wolf? You know moment? what's really, really weird, or or it's cool and it's weird because it now seems so distant. Is anything involving the wolves at which you realize they were sort of the trendy hip thing at one time? Like Target Center's going crazy. But it wasn't just a one-off, yeah. hey, uh, who wants a free t-shirt? And here's a really good game. Yeah, It's this whole thing in 2000 of, no, this is a really good team. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't know, like, I I think retro, retro these, some of these retro games, like, there's going to be more retro Twins games. I've always wanted Fox Sports North to go dig deeper back in the archives to show games. Like, I'm much yeah. more likely to watch that than I am to watch that Wolves-Clippers game from earlier this year that they reran, right? Where the Wolves put up, like, 23 three-pointers or something. Absolutely. But I'm more with Rami on this. Like I Not doing it? It's it's not that I'm just out on replays. Like, the Tiger Woods Masters win was on yesterday, I think. They showed part of it, or they're going to show it this week, too. I saw, I saw it advertised. Tiger Woods is one of my favorite athletes of all time, and that was one of his greatest moments ever. I'm still more on the hunt for like Netflix shows than I am to watch rerun sporting events. Is that because you've already seen those events or partially? So if it was an event you hadn't seen, it feels it honestly feels apocalyptic to just like go back and watch old sporting events. It feels like I am legend where he just goes to the same. It is apocalyptic. Embrace the apocalypse. Then. But it's like when Will Smith goes to the same video store to rent the same yeah. DVDs and then he returns them. And it's like he's been doing that for five Talks years. To the same man. Right. That's what it feels like. All right. I just, I've started Can't to watch it. games. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really not in on hard. classic games. I'm really not going going back and watching old games, man. It's just not my thing. It doesn't do it for me. Maybe what? eventually. Maybe I'll just run out of things. I was going to gonna watch, say. And eventually I'll, or I'll just right miss game. sports enough and come back to it. But no, right now, I, it just hasn't been a thing that I've, uh, I've leaned on in these desperate times. Last thing. Did I. Any of you three watch a movie or something that you are embarrassed to admit to? Because I just I, did I, actually. The invention I, of lying is probably. I, ju- I jumped the shark last night. <laughs> How to be single with Dakota Johnson from 2016. How to be single. How to be single. Let's just say it was so bad and I still didn't turn it off. What was the premise? All these single people trying to find love, and it's very hard, and they're all in their 20s, and they're going around New, oh God, New York. But here's, like a film movie. but here's the best part. Well, one, it was yeah, terrible. I'm writing this down. I just saw Phil write something down. But here's the best part, and this is true of every film like this, and of all the BS that these films try and sell you to me, it's the biggest bunch of garbage. How does everybody, how does every... 20-something trying to find love in a film in Chicago or New York always afford apartments that there's no way they can afford. Oh, the sweetest pads, man. The sweetest <laughs> and pads. And they're like, oh, yeah. this is a terrible, I live uh, I live on the cheap. You know, at, like, least, no, you don't. at least in Friends they explained it. It was she. She didn't she get the apartment from like her her grandma or something, and so the rent was like there was some oh the rent control yeah it was rent control okay. there was like some grandfathered in something they explained it in one of the episodes how they could afford that place but you're right Judd Mo- in most of these TV shows and movies where it's young people who don't have great jobs living in big cities they have like these loft apartments with marble countertops <laughs> and sweet leather couches and like it's the whole thing it's all decked out and. Yeah, you can't afford that. No, you clearly cannot afford that with that job. With that Very embarrassing. I'm, I'm definitely in on how to be single. 50-year-old man next week. <laughs> sitting upstairs last night watching 
how to be single, and I still have not, of course, told the wife I watched it. Cause it oh, so you watched it alone? Yeah, I went oh, upstairs and watched I, it. I, I, I was flipping. Whoa, whoa. No, that changes no. everything. That's what makes it so embarrassing. You, you just like, turned no. this on by yourself? I went upstairs and flipped around. <laughs> so I'm flipping through, and I'm so bored. I'm doing the, wow. I'm doing the old school flip. Wow. So I'm not guiding this thing. I'm going through channel by channel by channel by channel. Wow. And I come across <laughs> this movie, and I watched it. All of it? And I'm Start upstairs. to finish? No, I think I got it. Uh, prob- I probably missed uh, like 15% of it. Not very much. Oof. So what was the thing that kept you there? That you set- While you're flipping channels, you you come across this. Desperation. Oh, this seems interesting. Desperation. I'm desperate to watch something, and and it was you just saw this mindless like, fluff. Stopping. Yes, mindless fluff. What were the uh, other channels? What was on the other channel? Fifty Shades of Grey was on one. You can't watch that alone. <laughs> but yeah, it would have felt weird really enough. weird. Yeah, yeah that that would have walks in on you watching that. That yeah, would have felt dirty. <laughs> I mean, this movie wasn't dirty. It was just stupid and mindless. Um, besides that, I had seen most everything. <gasps> Two more, yeah, but I watched it alone. Two more quarantine recommendations for you guys. Right, one of them we just finished up season six of Grace and Frankie, which is an awesomely underrated show. My mom loved that show. I thought it's good. I thought that was uh, for an older, probably female audience. Am I missing that? It, it might be okay. But same guy who's doing old people yoga. So it's yeah, good. That's true. Yeah. No, yeah. no, it's very I'm solid. Just, I've just copped to doing yoga with seventy year olds on the internet. <laughs> Martin Sheen. Yeah, Grace and Frankie's good. Jane and Fonda and a, Phil Mackey. A show that came out today on Netflix, The Big Show Show. That looks so bad. When the teenage daughter of this. the big the big show, this the WWE terrible, superstar, dude. When the teen, dude, I'm in. When the teenage daughter, oh, let me read the synopsis. When the teenage daughter of the big show comes to live with him, his wife, and two other daughters. He quickly becomes outnumbered and outsmarted. Despite being seven feet tall and 400 pounds, he no longer is the center of attention. The Big Show Show. The trailer for this commercial, have you noticed how everybody's like not as short as they should be against a seven foot tall guy? Yeah, because he's not actually seven feet tall, is he? I don't know. They don't. I mean, wrestling always does that, don't they? Wait, what? Wrestling? Wrestling lies about something? they bend the truth. Jonathan's just finding out no, that Vince McMahon seven feet go- tall. gooses heights. He's seven feet tall. So maybe he has pounds. super tall kids. That's possible, John. Genetics. 13-year-olds? Okay. <laughs> or maybe they're all walking <laughs> around on apple crates. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. It's possible. They stupid, just don't seem like they should be as short as they are. Stupid question. Totally scripted or partially scripted? I have no idea. What, I don't know if it's like a TV snapshot show? of his, like, yeah, this TV is show. his actual... No, this looks like a sitcom, like yeah, a sitcom. Yeah, they're, sitcom. they're actors. They're actors. Oh, so it is, yeah. okay. But I don't know if so it's, it's like, hey, this is, like, his family is actually like this, and they're just hiring actors but to portray it actors. Okay, so it's a scripted show, basically. Yeah. Okay. So, By the way, Mackie, oh! we have a... You know we have an update on one of our previous quarantine discoveries, right? We do. There is a bonus episode of Tiger King. Is it this weekend that it's coming out? I think it's yeah. this weekend. Sometime this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. I don't know if I don't know if I asked for that. Is this unprecedented? I think this is unprecedented. They didn't come out with a bonus episode of Making a Murderer. Do we know what's in this bonus episode? Have they I don't teased care, that man. at all? I'm in quarantine. I need things. I need things. Is this new or just collected from previous unreleased materials? No, I think this is new. Okay. What's the gal's name again? Carol Baskin? Yes. I think I heard it's just like 53 minutes of a tiger eating Carol Baskin's <laughs> husband. Uncensored. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> They're releasing the footage finally. That's going to be great. It's one of those security cams up top, but it's in color and you can see everything. Is she in trouble, by the way? Not yet. Is she going to be in trouble? I don't know. 
Do we think? Do we know she did it? Do we think she did it? There, the- put it this way: there was a part in one of the episodes where she was disputing that somebody <laughs> that she was disputing that somebody else, like somebody else, was accused of feeding someone to tigers, or like actually it was it was a uh, someone was accused of putting like some sort of scent on Joe Exotic's yeah. feet so that a tiger would go and like eat his feet and eat him. And she goes, everybody knows that like that's not what. Yeah, he said it was perfume or cologne. And she said, I, I remember almost exactly what she said, Mackie. She said, if you wanted a tiger to attack somebody and eat them, you would put, like, tuna juice or, so, or, or something like that. <laughs> something very on somebody's, specific. Like, yeah. yeah, she knew exactly what to put on somebody if you want a tiger to attack and eat them. That's frightening. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. But Tiger King isn't one of those series where I got done and I'm, like, jonesing for another episode. Oh, I want another season, man. Are what? you kidding me? Yeah, I need updates on these people. But- I got to see what's going on. The, the one dude got teeth. He got his property, uh, exclusive property of Joe Exotic tattoo covered up. I need to see what's going on with these people, man. I really need they've to see what's one, going right? on with these people. They, they've got season two is going to come out at some point, right? I haven't heard that. Did they plan oh, a season I thought you guys two? I haven't heard that. that, they, that they, no. That I predicted that. That was one of my write that down oh, okay. predictions. Yeah. I thought that was for sure. No, not yet. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know if it's if it's actually going to happen. Oh, it's like, it's going to happen. Ugh. It's going to happen. <laughs> Anyways, those are quarantine discoveries. <gasps> Here on Mackie and Judd with Rami. I can't believe I watched a Dakota Johnson movie. <laughs> I, I can't that either. That Dakota it's Johnson movie. By himself. Uh, it's so embarrassing, I had to admit it. <laughs> oh, this is an open ground right now, man. This is the only time in the rest of our lives that we're ever going to be able to do what this. What am I doing? <laughs> All right, when we come back, Rami has a comparison that we might have to frame up in a hot take cops episode here. What? Right, we'll no, see. We'll, no we'll, way. We'll see. No way. This we'll isn't see. a hot take. This we'll is a good see. take. We'll see. Solid take. We'll let the we'll let the the jury, the judge, and the police department be the the deciders of that. Before we go anywhere, let's talk about Federated Federated Mutual Insurance Company. And during these uncertain times, your team at Federated has kept a strategic focus on policyholder service. What has not changed is the commitment to providing risk management to help you, business owners, prevent injuries and save lives. The professional employees dedicated to providing the services you need. And the peace of mind that comes with putting your trust in a company rated A-plus for its financial strength. As a mutual insurance company, Federated believes that their value is measured by the success of their clients. It's their business to protect yours in that regard. And they've been directing clients throughout the country to information they need on written pandemic policies and procedures, recommended response plans, communications to employees, So to find out more about how Federated can help you and your business during these uncertain times, visit their website, federatedinsurance.com, where you can find all kinds of tools and information, and you can find your local marketing representative as well. Federated, remember, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Score North and many of our local advertising partners remain open for business, and you can hear from them daily right here on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. We are all in this together here. How you can support our local community by visiting scorenorth.com keyword open. Also over at scorenorth.com right now and on the Score North mobile app as well. Matthew Collar has the first two of a five-part series looking at the the best Vikings draft fits based on position. Right now he has the cornerbacks and the offensive line up the best fit 
tests are based on playing style, production NFL combine results, and realistic possibility of being selected. So be sure to check those out. They're all free. All the articles are free over at scorenorth.com and the free Scorenorth mobile app. That's when your Scorenorth download. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Rami. Cops is recorded on location with the men and women of Sports Talk. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in hot take court. I didn't give the take. Yet. I didn't give the take. Yet. You look like you were about to give a take. You, that's profiling. I know. You just profiled. That's me. correct. That's racist. Yep. No, it's a little bit racist. This is not. like that Tom Cruise movie, The Minority Report, where they can tell when a crime's about they to be They go committed. into the future and yeah. stop it before it happens. Yeah. This is what's happening here. Okay. Quite simply, it's sportsist. Yeah. It's, it's a not racist. Sportsist. It's sportsist. It's a little bit sportsist. Oh, real quick, by Quite the way, too, segment within a segment here. Mm-hmm. Forgot to give myself credit. Yeah. For a good question during the Jim Pete interview, that yeah. means I now have 10 good questions on the season to Judd's five, Rami's four, and Jonathan's three. Rami, what's wrong? Good the question fixes standings. It, the fix is definitely. Also had one in the Lindsey Whalen happy hour quarantine the other night, too. So He's putting up Bond's numbers, Judd. You really buy Did she that? say good question? I thought she didn't say good question. I thought she said something and didn't say good question. No, she said it was a great question. She did. And we said it doesn't count in the happy hour. It's only what? It's only in broad, what you, what? It's, it's only in the broadcast. Why did we're so multi? Does that put you at nine? Didn't we say it that night? I thought we said it. I don't remember. I thought we said it that. I'm the only one who wasn't drinking. So I was I drinking. We said it that night. I was drinking, so I honestly don't recall. Yeah, I was bombed, dude. I have no idea. All right, what's your take? <laughs> it's not so much of a take as it is a question, really. And that's what's the difference. Between Jimmy Butler and Kevin Garnett, because I was reading that piece from Jackie McMullen today, a throwback piece that was reposted because of Kevin Garnett getting into the Hall of Fame. And they're talking about, and this was when he was, this was written when he was brought back to Minnesota and why he was brought back to Minnesota to provide some leadership and a role model, an example of what an NBA great really is for Carl Anthony Towns, who just finished up his rookie year, for Andrew Wiggins, or no, Wiggins had just finished up his, his rookie year and had one rookie of the year, and Carl Anthony Towns was there and obviously had a lot of promise, and that's why they brought him in. And they talk about how intense this guy is, how how hot the fire burns in Kevin Garnett and the way that he practices. And Doc Rivers tells the story about Garnett was hurt and Doc Rivers wanted him to miss practice. And Garnett said, if I sit out practice, they're going to they're going to see weakness and I cannot show weakness to my teammates. I got to go out there and I got to practice and practiced so hard that Doc Rivers said, man, you keep this up. I'm sending everybody home and we're going to cancel practice. And that is indeed what happened because Kevin Garnett did not let up at all. They talk about him cursing out Rajon Rondo and kicking him out of practice if he wasn't playing defense up to the standard that Kevin Garnett liked to like to see. And then there was the story of Johnny O'Brien. You guys remember or no Patrick O'Brien? I'm sorry. You guys remember Patrick O'Brien? Only from this story. Now, yeah, the ninth pick in the '06 draft. And early in the 08-09 season, O'Brien was putting in some post work with Celtics assistant coach Clifford Ray. After practice, Garnett summoned him to the other end of the floor. KG wanted to light a fire under the young center, who he felt was too placid. Garnett immediately began berating O'Brien, criticizing him mercilessly. When O'Brien did a react, KG pushed harder. Still, nothing. Garnett walked off the court in disgust. 
You know who he is, O'Brien says. He was yelling and screaming, trying to get me to scream back, but that's not who I am. I don't need to yell at somebody all the way down the corridor after I dunk. Just, just because I didn't have a mean look on my face doesn't mean I wasn't listening. From that day forward, those close to this team say Garnett would go out of his way to bully O'Brien. Normally a pass for his player, KG would take the ball forcefully to the hole if O'Brien was guarding him in practice. He subjected him to a nonstop stream of insults to break him. Patrick would miss a shot, and he'd just torture him. Kevin wasn't going to forgive him. He'd talk crazy to him. We told Patrick, don't let it get under your skin, but it was too late. 26 games into his Celtics career. 26 games into his career. In February 2009, Boston traded O'Brien, who maintains that he learned a lot from Garnett and doesn't remember being bullied, to Toronto for a 2014 second-round pick. He would play just 24 more games in his NBA career. Yeah. Does that sound like Jimmy Butler to you? That sounds like Jimmy Butler to me. It does. It does. So this is. So your question is, is... What's the difference between KG because and Jimmy Butler? Because people can't right? stand Jimmy Butler and the way that he pushed around and bullied his teammates. Yeah. Yeah, the, I mean, the perception of Timberwolves people fans. People love toward... Kevin Garnett around here, though. Yep. It's weird. So let's start with the similarities. This is a question worth deconstructing here. Let's start with their similarities. Both are very clearly hyper-competitive. Both can rub people the wrong way, and there are stories about both rubbing people the wrong way. Both are very much, as as the anecdote that you just pointed out suggests, both are very much allergic to teammates who don't show the same level of as the same level of beast as KG calls it. KG says you either have the beast or you don't, and I think Jimmy Butler and KG are allergic to guys who don't have the beast, and that means uh, this O'Brien guy. It means Andrew Wiggins. In some ways, it means Carl Anthony Towns. And both, up until KG got traded to the Celtics and played with a super team, both have spent the first 10 years of their careers without a championship. The biggest difference between Kevin Garnett and Jimmy Butler, honestly, I think I think Kevin Garnett was a better player, but I also think KG had a good cop coach in Flip Saunders to help keep the team chemistry in line. I think having a good, when you have a personality like Kevin Garnett or Jimmy Butler, and you've got some, you know, your goal is to get a team full of players to all be on the same page. And even if they have different personalities, you got to get them to gel to some extent for 82 games. And Flip Saunders was clearly able to play good cop and do that and keep the roster together right. when Wally Zerbiak and Kevin Garnett basically hated each other, but and they Rick played Rickard? together for six years. Um, and I think if you had more of a Flip Saunders like personality, as the coach to mitigate between Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, I think it might have worked better, if not very well. So Tom Thibodeau took the side of Jimmy Butler, and therefore a rift was in play. But the, the to me, the difference between the stories that you know is not pointed out, and because I'm sure to people it's not important. But to me, the biggest difference between Butler and Garnett is very simple. Garnett would bully people, but he was part of the team. Butler's ultimate bullying began as a means to get out. He didn't do that to help that team. He basically But was, wasn't that out of frustration because was, they weren't they no, weren't getting no. the message he, that he was trying to deliver in practice? Well, no, no, because he came back the, the practice where he basically took what, the third team and claimed that he beat the first team, that whole practice was his attempt to get traded. He was trying to to not bully players but actually Tibbs. Mm-hmm. And he wanted Tibbs to be like, I can't do this, you're gone. Tibbs 
a little bit stubborn himself, was like, oh, no, I'm going to hold on. But the difference, the difference was Garnett bullied people to make his team better. The ultimate bullying by Butler was done to try to force a trade because he, he wanted Tibbs and Layden and Glenn Taylor to say, that guy's too crazy to be here. For the record, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant also did sim- similar yeah. things, maybe yes. not quite as nasty. Yeah. And I think in the instance of KG, Kobe, and Michael Jordan, all three of them, to what Judd is saying, were sticking a flag in the ground and saying, this is my damn team, my damn franchise. And this is how we run things, and this is our culture. But I want to be here. And Jimmy Butler ultimately but Jimmy Butler wanted not, to be somewhere else. Didn't Jimmy Butler not want to be here because he was surrounded by guys who didn't want it? He was yes. surrounded by guys who didn't who didn't have the fire and the intensity that he did? Yes. And then he snapped and forced his way out. So ultimately, the problem that he had was the same problem that Kevin Garnett would have had or Michael Jordan would have had. Anybody intense yeah. and competitive would have had. And so I don't and only one of them, but one of them didn't stick it out. One of them decided that it's I just would rather play somewhere else. And by the way, I'm not even I'm not even really blaming Jimmy different. Butler. He wanted it's to go play different. somewhere else. But but to your but I would add one more level to this discussion too to say that Kevin Garnett at his peak was an MVP and one of the consensus five best players in the NBA for a, a long stretch and so you can probably get away with you can get away with certain things and and maybe alienating some teammates if you're good enough to carry the team to 50 wins on a regular basis Jimmy Butler has always been a he's never been consensus top five on a regular basis maybe at at certain points, um, but he's he's always been kind of fringe top ten, top fifteen. Yeah, I was gonna say he's top fifteen. I don't, I don't know, like again, not the like Kevin Garnett wasn't on the level of Michael Jordan or uh, other players like LeBron James that could just take a bunch of ragtag guys right. to the conference finals. KG wasn't that type but of a Butler player. But if Butler goes absolutely ballistic because he sincerely wants to be here and, and sees that his teammates aren't doing their job. Our view is completely different. It's altered completely. I'd say bravo, that's great. He came But ba- if I'm if if I'm But he tr- came back. He, see, he he wasn't even here. That's the problem. When he decided to practice, he basically said, "I'm going to prove I'm crazy." But if I'm if I'm in charge, if I'm Tom Thibodeau or wh- whoever, if I'm if I'm if I'm in charge and after a year Jimmy Butler comes to me and says, "Man, these dudes don't want it as bad as I do." And if that doesn't change, I want out. I take his message to heart, and I start asking, "Is he right?" Before I get upset, before I get offended, or or I or I decide I have to stick with Cat and Wiggins because they're younger, and I used all this draft capital on them. Don't I ask, "Is he right?" And 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 if he is, then either go to those guys and say, "Hey, look, he might not be passing the message along in the best way. I understand that." But he's got a point, and you guys, you guys got to pick it up, or just get rid of those guys and keep Jimmy, because Kevin Garnett wasn't a problem in Boston because he was surrounded by guys who wanted it as bad as he do, as as bad as he does. So far, Jimmy hasn't been a problem in Miami because he's surrounded by guys yeah. who want it as bad as he does, and he's in a culture where they actually encourage accountability. And if the guy next to you isn't doing what he's supposed to, you should say something. Where here it was, if the guy next to you isn't doing something, you can say something, but don't hurt his feelings. You'd be nice about it. And I'm sorry, that's not going to cut but it. Jimmy didn't, but but Jimmy did not do a good job. Of that, when it counted most, he basically said, "I'd like to get paid." They said, "Sorry, not not right now," and they were going to pay him. 
And then he said, well, if I'm not going to get paid, I really don't like the people around me. I want out. And they said, what? And then he came back and said, I'm not showing up. And when I do, I'm going to go nuts. I mean, and it never had to, and it never had to do with helping his team. It always had to do with trying to help one person, Jimmy Butler. And the difference with Kobe and Garnett and Jordan and a lot of great players is they go ballistic, but it's to help their teams. Yeah, I, I mean, it's so it, but, but the here's problem. the thing: like this is where I I'm I'm almost like ninety percent in lockstep with Rami's comparison here, and I think the ten percent difference is Flip Saunders as a coach when well, that's Kevin not Garnett Jimmy's needed fault, Agreed. Okay. Agreed. Then we're totally on the same page. But Jimmy's got Jimmy's got to know. Jimmy has to have the sense of how to do this, and he lacked it completely. Garnett Garnett knew the buttons. Jimmy's problem was he, he would go to the buttons and he would take two hands and push them all in. <laughs> Garnett actually pushed them. Kobe pushed them. Jordan pushed them. It's it comes down largely, I think, to the intelligence that those three guys had: Garnett, Kobe, and Jordan of how to push those to get to know who to push and when. And then you can bully all you want, but it's done smart. Jimmy's problem was Jimmy and Tibbs were the same guy, which is they were going to butt heads all day long for the betterment of two people, Tom and Jimmy. That's my problem with Jimmy. Jimmy is also very clearly, of all the like the players we've thrown out, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, Jimmy, like, Jimmy Butler doesn't belong in the same sentence as those other three in terms of credentials and how good they are relative to the rest of the league. Yeah, but those guys were those guys before they had credentials. Kevin Garnett came into the league, that guy, straight out of high school. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't a wallflower when he came into the NBA who was just going to quietly absorb what was going on around him. I'm trying to flip this around and think, all right, if Kevin Garnett were put in a spot, and he and he was technically put, he was put with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, but not long enough he wasn't out there every day you know he he was broken down at the end of his career what would have happened and if you're if you're giving me a chance to go back retroactively and say would i rather keep jimmy butler and ship out andrew wiggins and see if carl anthony towns and jimmy butler can work this thing out oh my god i'd love to run that back that would be amazing uh but ultimately jimmy butler I I don't think they ever even got to a point where it was feasible to say jimmy just be patient for 5 seconds Let's see if we can trade Andrew Wiggins and at least get one of these guys out of here because he didn't really want to hear it. But it's a it's a fun question and it's a valid question and uh, and I I don't not so hot take. We're not gonna, we're not going to put you in hot take, Joe. You're free to go, Rami. Thank you. You're free to go. Appreciate it. Get those cups off. <laughs> no, you're going to have to keep those on. Extreme. <laughs> That's really weird. Uh, Patrick Royce, uh, what's happening with you today? Are you ready for the Masters in November? How about that? Wow. That's uh, so we had to fit all these in. Uh, they got rid of the Olympic tournament. They don't have to mess with that this year. But uh, that's uh, why did they decide to push it back so late? I wonder. I know. I think they're the trying. Masters. I think they're trying to get out of the way. They're going to keep the FedEx Cup playoffs in August, and then they're oh, going to run the U.S. Oh. Open in September. And I, I, and good luck too, by the way. Yeah, and none of these are going to actually happen, but that's fine. Well, uh, hopefully they will. Where's the? I don't even know where's the open supposed to be this year. I don't even know where it is. It's going to be in New York. Uh, I can't remember the course, but it's going to be in New York. Oh, oh what the New York or Shinnecock probably? Not no Shinnecock. Beth Page. Ah, they've been wing, winged Page. foot. Maybe. Winged foot. Winged foot. Yes. Winged foot. Okay. Well, hopefully, hopefully the curve is flattening. Of course, the question becomes: How flat does it have to be before we can have sports again? So. Does the flat does the flat have to be? There are no cases anymore before we can uh, play a ball game or not? I don't under I don't know. 
I saw Bill Gates uh, on uh, The Daily Show last Thursday, Pat, and he says that we probably shouldn't be at least gathering in arenas in large groups until there's a vaccine for this thing. Oh, okay. Well, Bill's got a lot of money. Why didn't he pay for one? Let's go. Come on, Bill. He might be trying for all we Yeah, I think, he has, no, he, I think he has put Why? quite a bit of money into that. Yeah, he's put billions of dollars uh, well, into it. Let's go. We got a lot of smart people in the world. Come on, let's get one. I want what Pat just in a lab somewhere yelling at scientists trying to come up. <laughs> oh, yeah. What are we waiting for? Let's go. Yelling out Hurry dates. Up. I want to go to a June fifth. We're back. Lazy. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Come on. What are you doing here, boys? Let's go. Yeah, let's get there. I, I, yeah. I'm. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm. Uh, I had I had stuff to do this morning, so I was doing okay. But now that I got nothing to do again, I'm watching some shows that I don't even want to watch. Last night I watched Euro. Uh, what was I watching? A sushi thing. Euro. Oh, Gyro dreams of dreams. sushi. Yes. What? Gyro. Gyro what? dreams of sushi. Yes. I don't even. Well, Mackie like bang. Yes. I, Matthew knows exactly what you're talking about. Gyro dreams of sushi. He's like he is the top sushi (laughs) chef in the world. Eighty five. You know what? I was watching them because I don't really know how you make it. You know, I I never watched them make it. They put their hands on it a whole lot. I I hope hope they got those babies washed. (laughs) You know, do we have to wash our hands every time we press one of those uh, little things together? There. What like with the little. (laughs) <laughs> what you like? well, a little fishy. A little fishy, by the way. A little fishy. The sashimi, you know? yeah. You know what, though? They cook a lot more of it than I thought. There's a lot more cooking going on. I thought it was just, uh, you know, pickles or something. Like Wait, so this is a show on how to make sushi? Right? Is that what you're telling me? Is a show on how to make it's, sushi? No, it's the, it's the, no, no, no. This guy's a world-famous sushi sushi maker. Yeah, he is, and it's a documentary. Oh, okay. It's all about his the culture that he creates and the people that he teaches, the craft. It's a it's all about the art of preparation of sushi. All right. So what? A, now uh, you're a sushi guy. What is this thing they do to the octopus for like five hours? No did, idea. Did, did you see that? They like molest the octopus for like five hours. They just beat it around, push it around. To soften it up, I guess, man, alive. And I think the poor octopi is alive during the whole process, but I might be what? wrong. Maybe he's not. Didn't that you see terrible. that part when they're... It's, I haven't, I haven't I, seen it yet, It's Pat. been eight years since I've watched this documentary, but I want to go back and watch it now. Oh, is it that old? Yeah, it's been out for a while. No, is that old? I thought it came out like Tuesday or something. I didn't know that. But, Pat, uh, I never, I never so tried... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. He's probably 93. He was 85 then, so uh, he might know water. He's like Sid. He'll live forever. Don't worry about him. Okay. I had never tried sushi until I started dating my girlfriend, and now we're in a long-distance relationship. And, Pat, I don't know how to order sushi because she just ordered because I I had zero experience in the sushi world, and now I just don't know how to order it. I'm very intimidated by a sushi menu. Well, i got to think there's a big difference in sushi quality from where you're, you know, if you're walking in someplace and paying up 45 cents for it, I think you're in trouble. You know, probably it reminds me, it reminds me of a friend of mine. We were once eating at a diner after a Yankee game at three o'clock in the morning, eating at a diner at three in Queens and he ordered calamari. I said, yeah, I don't know if this is the 
Carl Cal Calamari place or not, buddy. <laughs> you know, I think here you should order a hamburger. So I just I, I would I would I would want to order my sushi in a high quality place if I was going to take it on. I think. Well, I just found I just found a, re- a it's a website that lays out how do you make a rest how do you make a reservation at one of Gyro's restaurants and how much does it cost? So you know when you order sushi, like a roll of of sushi with the the white rice wrap around it, right? And they usually chop it up into like six pieces or four pieces. And that yeah, might cost yeah, yeah. $9 or $10 for the whole roll, okay? So maybe like two or three bucks a piece. At one of these restaurants, it's $13.50 per piece what? of sushi. <laughs> no. Must be good stuff. Yeah, no, but you know the worst part of it? They stand there and look at you to see if you like it or not. They like to stand two feet away you from You know what, there. Pat? They the stuff at Cub is just plane. fine. The, the stuff at Cub, and then you gotta eat. It. I agree. Actually, I got like twelve yeah. of those puppies and put them right down. You've I've never tried. It. I've never yeah. tried it. Is it good? Go get it. Yeah. 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 If you you gotta eat there with the guy staring at you, who wants to do that? It's <laughs> a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah. Right. I already do that at the deli counter, though. I just eat it all while they just stand <laughs> there and look to, at me, Pat. Wouldn't you have to spit one out just for the hell of it to freak the guy out? Man, that'd be great. <laughs> No, they're good. I'm not spitting anything out. <laughs> so, and yet, this guy's unbelievable. Yeah, well, that's how exciting sports is right now. We're talking yeah. about sushi, which I've never eaten. Well, Pat, but, Pat, uh, give, give us, in the, in the last two or three minutes here, uh, give us young and baseball fans, uh, give us a little Al Kaline history. Al Kaline passed away today at the age well, of 85. Well, uh, my first year in the beat was his last year with Detroit, so I didn't really have much uh, to do with him. But I mean, 1955, uh, he gets he gets signed at 18, and uh, so he has to stay in the big leagues for two years. That was back when they had the bonus babies thing. And the second year, he did well. Third year, he's not turning 21 until December of that year, 1955. Hit 340, won the American League batting title as a 20-year-old who hadn't been in the minors because he had to be in the majors. But instead of, you know, usually those bonus babies would play two years and then they'd send them to the send them to the minors, like that's what they do with Harmon. And uh, he made too much. He got too big of a bonus, so then he had to keep him in the big leagues for two years. That happened with K-Line, but the third year they kept him and he hit 340. But he had a regal... Uh, appearance about him i was up at uh spring training to see guardy two years ago in lakeland and uh he just got out of town and was walking in a clubhouse and it's like it's like the pope had showed up or something i mean there was a reverence about him with the tigers but just he's one of those baseball names from that era of the 50s that uh is just uh, you know you feel like uh how you doing today mr k-line you don't say al you say mr k-line he was, uh, what, uh, 15 All-Star games, 10 gold gloves. But the funny thing is he was a better hitter at 20 and he was at 30. I mean, he was still good, but, uh, he, uh, you know, he was a phenomenal young player and then he kind of leveled off and was a good player. But, uh, yeah, he is, uh, he, we don't even have anybody. I, I wouldn't say that even Harmon was an equivalent in Minnesota to K-Line. K-Line is like the Tigers. And uh, that's, uh, you know, that's, he was still uh, always showing up in spring training, still worked for the 
Tigers in some capacity. And as I said, he would get out of his car and all the minor leaguers would like step out of the way and, uh, and, and bow down to him. So he was one of those regal ball players. Tom Dempsey too, Patrick, huh? Yeah. The former Saints uh, kicker who I, who yeah, I thought was dead got, before he this. Got, he got the virus, right? Yes, he did. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, well, the way the virus was going around in Michigan, they didn't, they didn't announce, uh, K-Lines, uh, what, uh, what he died from at 85. But, uh, yeah, Dempsey, Dempsey had uh, lots of, uh, health problems in recent years, I do believe, however. But, you know, he had the advantage of having that club foot. So, uh, you Literally. know, no toes. He could really smack that thing, man. 63 yards, you know, right? You know, some, you know, if you had your choice, you'd like to have your whole foot. But for place kick, you know, it was very good for him. Yeah. Just overrated. having half the foot, man. Overrated, <laughs> overrated to have your, your whole foot. If, if you yeah. had your choice, if, if you went to Tom and said, Tom, you got two choices. Now he's age three. You can either have a whole foot or you can kick a 63-yard field goal. What should you take? I wonder what his decision would have been. Stood as the record for a long, long time, Patrick. He might take the club. <laughs> Did, has anybody beaten it yet? Yeah, uh, Jason Elam had a 63-yarder, and somebody else kicked a 64-yarder, I think, in the last couple of years. Oh, somebody did? Yeah. Okay. With a, with a full foot. So, uh, Pat, we will talk <laughs> Pat, to you on we're Wednesday. Not gonna, <laughs> we're not going to survive this, boys. We're all going to have mental breakdowns. We're all going to be the – forget about the hospitals being full. The insane asylums are going to be full. We're all going to be nuts before this is over. And we are here for uh, for the therapy. Thanks, Roy. Bye. Bye, Pat. <laughs> All right. I got one word right, for you. That is uh, Patrick Royce's thoughts on sushi. Dakota Johnson films. They're going to get me through. <laughs> I'm just going to start watching the whole catalog of Dakota Johnson films. Uh, Judd's Dakota Johnson film reviews are brought to you by Josh Arnold Investments. <laughs> here, as is Rappin' with Royce on Mackie and Judd with Rami. Find our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or the Score North app. And it's time to talk to Josh, where you always get straight talk. Not sure Dakota device. You can get that to straight talk by calling Josh Arnold direct. 952-925-5608. Or you can listen to Josh right now with the Market Minute. Good afternoon, Josh. Good afternoon, Judd. A big surprise in the market, and I say big surprise, this has got to be a huge, huge gain for the Dow, the NASDAQ, and the S&P 500, all up over 7% today. Huge, huge gain. Uh, Big movers on the Dow today included Boeing, which was up 19.5%, which is a record. Uh, McDonald's was up 10%. Goldman Sachs was up 7%. United Healthcare up 8%. Uh, Apple up almost 9% today. American Express up 14%. And Visa up 11.5%. Tremendous, tremendous moves. Some of it probably on short covering as uh, sellers decided to take to take their profits, and the market moved up as news came out of New York uh, that the virus, uh, I'll say the the deaths showed the first daily decline, uh, despite the fact that the president had said that this week could be the worst week uh, for for the virus. The market is definitely moving on. Uh, virus in information and companies, I do believe, are going to be given a pass 
for this quarter and possibly next quarter, given the effects of the coronavirus on the economy and the government-mandated shutdown. I do believe as jobs or the jobless numbers come out each week, I do believe you'll continue to see an uptick in jobless claims probably for the next several weeks until uh, people start going back to work. The biggest uh, claims have come in the travel and entertainment and the hospitality industry, followed by uh, the medical um, medical industry. At some point, and I think this this is how you have to be thinking as an investor, you have to think forward into how the economy recovers and what companies are going to be beneficiaries. I believe that some of the trends that started before this government shutdown, whether it's stay at home, whether it's shopping on the Internet, uh, will be trends that will accelerate. That would definitely benefit companies, we'll say, such as an Amazon for sure, and other companies involved in increasing their digital presence. Could be a company like a Walmart or a Target um, or a Best Buy, though the retailers uh, could well, well, I'll say other retailers, could well struggle. You could take a look at companies such as a Coke or a Pepsi or even a Constellation brand that benefit, again, from stay-at-home and the consumption of beverages at home rather than uh, outside. So those are you know, two separate uh, spots. I would take a look at uh, some real estate investment trusts that have been beaten down. Right now, high-quality real estate uh, can be obtained, especially liquid real estate, can be obtained at a significant, like significant discount. So we want, want to look for sales and use the cash that we have as part of our asset allocation prudently. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk.